and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real-life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. Today, you're going to have the opportunity to meet with someone who is leading the way in real estate education. This former school teacher brings together the best and brightest people in real estate to share their knowledge and expertise. It is her mission to become one of the top sources for real estate investing information and connections. Let's give a superhero by a design welcome to Angel Williams. Angel, <laughs> welcome to the show. Yay. <laughs> how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, how are you? Oh, I am excellent. It is a beautiful Monday morning. We just had a monsoon here over the weekend in Nashville. And so everything has been washed away. It's clear. It's calm. It's a little humid, but fantastic. How's everything going where you're at in this part of the country? Well, we're still seeing over 100 degree days. So we got that. <laughs> oh, shoot. 100 degree. Are, are you in Texas or yeah, somewhere we actually, in the south? We broke a record for the most days over 100 in a row a couple of summers ago. Where are you from right now? Um, We're in North Texas, but not Dallas-Fort Worth. We're about two North hours to the left. Ah, well, you know what? I was just in Wichita Falls about a week or so ago doing training. So I'm assuming maybe kind of somewhere close to Wichita Falls. I absolutely Falls. live in Wichita Falls. <laughs> you live in Wichita Falls. That is so stinking crazy because I know it's not that big of a town. It's a beautiful, beautiful area and uh, just amazing people. But man, I'm going to be, hey, I'm going to have to look you up because I'm going to be back in Wichita Falls early October and I would love to grab a coffee or something. Um, and just, I know we're going to have a great conversation today, but I would love to continue the conversation after it. That is so stinking crazy. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Hey, for everybody listening, Angel is the co-founder of the Academy presents and a managing partner of Lauren capital LLC. She has expertise in single family home rentals, residential multifamily rentals, multifamily syndication, and everything's bigger in Texas, oil and gas investing. For more information, check out her website, theacademypresents.com. You can also follow her on Instagram or LinkedIn at The Academy Presents and check out her Facebook group, Real Estate Investing Rocks. All right, we've got a lot to jump into. Didn't even know you are a Wichita Falls gal. That is so amazing. But I always like to start off the show by getting the uh, having the audience know you a little bit better because, like I said in the introduction, you used to be a school teacher. I, I understand you still teaching is obviously a huge part of your real estate career, but it, you also are teaching at a uh, local university, I believe. And can you, I guess, kind of walk us through the progression from being a school teacher to now being in real estate? full-time. Can you just um, rewind back a few years and just let us know how you got to where you are today? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I started, let's see, I started teaching K through 12 in 2003. Um, I had just gotten my, I just finished up my master's degree in economics and there weren't a whole lot of people hiring. Um, <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> well, I could really use a job and I found a private school and so that very first year, I literally made $15,000 a year oh, with geez. a master's degree. Oh, geez. <laughs> I was bringing home $1,001 a month. My husband was finishing up, or he was working on his doctorate, and he wasn't making very much. So I was the breadwinner. <laughs> I was scarily enough at $1,001 a month. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was, that was kind of wild. And we actually bought our first house that year, too. So Jason's a chemical engineer and he had done some co-ops and stuff and saved up money to pay for a down payment. And so when he finished up his doctorate in 2006 and we moved to Wichita Falls, we kept that first house as our first rental. And so we've been in residential for about 20 years. Um, we came to Wichita Falls and bought a couple more houses and then we wound up getting a couple more <laughs> a couple years ago. So we've got four singles here. Um, a single back in Lubbock and then a single in my hometown as well. And then we got, we inherited some <clears throat> quads and a couple of duplexes, um, from Jason's family. And we got into multifamily like five years ago. 
and I left teaching in 2020. So right before the pandemic hit, um, I it was a toxic environment and I didn't have to do it. Not because we had replaced my income, but because we had enough wiggle room that I didn't really have to teach. Um, I was teaching because I love teaching. And so that was the year that I went full time into the real estate education side of things. And I've been doing that ever since. Um, I do still teach college econ. So <laughs> I still have that kind of on the side. No, I love that. I love that because so many people get into real estate so that they can quit their W-2. And that's like their, their driving force. But it sounds like for somebody like you, education, teaching is a part of your soul. It, it's It's what you're meant to do. And so I love how you didn't get out of it because you wanted to just run away from it and have this big real estate portfolio. And it sounds like you're definitely building that real estate portfolio, but at the same time, that love, that passion for what you do, you still find ways to do it. Well, one in real estate, but two, you're still teaching, but you're doing it on your terms, the way that you want to do it. Absolutely. And it's, I, I just teach online. So it's, um, relatively low stress. <laughs> Um, cause it's, I don't know, I, I've been doing it online since 2007. <clears throat> so oh, that's it's a incredible. lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it's, it's interesting. Uh, a little bit of background about me. I'm, I never thought I would be in the teaching space as well. And trust me, I don't have a <laughs> teaching background or anything like that, but my mother was a teacher. She was a uh, special education teacher for 35 plus years. I grew up in that environment, going to her class, you know, during the summer, helping her set up her, her class and all that. I'm sure you're, you're very familiar with setting up your class towards the end of the summer and everything. And for me, I never thought it was something that I would do. I, I'm a structural engineer by trade. Uh, that's what, how I started my career before I got into real estate. But as I learned uh, and getting more into the real estate side of things, I just love working with people. I love just sharing my knowledge and expertise, especially when it comes to real estate with people that are getting into the space, people that are starting out. And I discovered, cause I, I, I was, I was against, uh, uh, teaching and all of that. I was like, no, that was my mother. That wasn't me. But over the years I've, I've found a love just to work with people to help them grow, to see once they start accomplishing things, how much it, it made me happy and, and finding out like, I'm actually not half bad at teaching. <laughs> I told myself for years I was terrible at it, but I found a passion and a love and a way to carry on my mother's legacy, which I never thought would happen, which has been incredible because uh, what I've learned out of this, and this is the whole reason I'm bringing all this up, is that there is just a, a passion uh, that some people have, a gift that some people have, call it God's gift, whatever you want to call it, but there is a, a spiritual gift of, of teaching other people. And I, I could see it in your eyes as we're talking about this. I could see it just smile as well, like how, how much this lights you up. Um, can you get a little bit into, yeah, really what teaching itself brings to you and your life? Um, so I don't have a teaching degree. I actually have a BBA and then a master's science in economics. And when I, that very first year, it was kind of like, it was just supposed to happen that way. And I had a fourth and fifth grade contained classroom and they were my little people. <laughs> and that was when I realized that teaching was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. And then the next year <clears throat> I taught K through five music at a different school. Um, and so I was teaching K through five music for, I don't know, three or four years. Um, and then we came to Wichita Falls, found out I was pregnant. And so I just kept teaching college. And then let's see, I guess two, after two years being here, we decided to have another child and we had our son who has profound, well, he has a really weird genetic condition. Um, and then he's got profound autism and he's got some seizure activity and some other stuff that come along with it. Um, but I went back to subbing when he went into school because he was in the PPCD program, which is the public preschool for children with disabilities. And so he was able to start that when he was three. 
And so that was when I went back to school and started subbing and did some tutoring and stuff. Um, and then we decided like three years later to try and have another baby. Yep, <laughs> and we yep. wound up with Josephine and then we wound up with Jacqueline like right after her. <laughs> they're, they're really close in age, like 15 months apart or something insane. Um, oh man. Irish twins. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And um, I was tutoring in the middle school and they needed a writing teacher because the writing teacher was resigning. And at that point in time, I was one of the, there was like 50 of us in the state of Texas. Um, I was a chief scoring leader for the star exam for the writing portion. Okay. And so I've managed all the scoring for the writing portion of the star exam, which is the Texas standardized test um, for all grades in Texas. And so I went back to teaching full time <laughs> in like 2017. And I did that until 2020 um, when just the toxicity of it just, I didn't have to do it. And so it made, it was hard because I miss my kids. Um, but I see them in town. So one of them, one of them invited me to her wedding not that long ago. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty neat. I still get to see them. I miss them. No, I, I, I can imagine. Well, you know, the thing is too, like a lot of people, no matter what, whether it's making their way through COVID, cause I know Texas and I'm in Tennessee myself, mm-hmm. we, we viewed COVID very differently than states like, yeah. <laughs> States like where I, yeah, I'm originally from California. So don't hold that against me. I am originally from California, but with that said, like I do really appreciate people like yourself who understand certain environments, whether they're working for you and, or not, whether they're serving you or not. And you have the foresight and the strength to be able to leave something like I I can tell from what you were saying that it, that wasn't an easy decision to make, but just like anything in life, it's the hard decisions that truly lead to a happy, fulfilling life. Because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it all the time, but we see that easy decisions lead to harder lives. But at the same time, you still found a way to reach people to, to still educate and teach people and uh just have a profound effect and i just um your your story is just so powerful in that it you know to people listening it might not sound like much but like really like when you're in the thick of it and you're in the education space and you're with these kids day in and day out and i know wichita falls i my a big part of my tribe is there it is a very community oriented area everybody is connected in one way or another. It's, it's a true community, uh, through and through. And so, like you said, yeah, seeing some of your students getting married, things like that, like that was not an easy decision to make, but, um, just like with your real estate, I'd like to get into that real quick. Cause it sounds like from your story, you got a house right away, got a mortgage, you left, but then you made that a rental. And you kind of built up your portfolio, at least initially that way was real estate ever something that you were like, Hey, this is something I want to do. This is what I want to have be a big part of my life. Or was it something like, Hey, I've got this idea. Let's try this out and see where it goes from there. No, actually. So my husband and I both grew up in families that also invested in residential real estate. Okay. And so like when we got that first house, like we've, we've talked about it tons of times but we don't remember ever having a conversation about it becoming our first rental. It just did. Okay. (laughs) Like we never discussed, are we going to sell the house? We just started looking for someone that could do the make ready. And then we started looking for a property manager because I knew I wasn't (laughs) self-managing. So, but yeah, we, we, to this day don't remember ever having a conversation about, are we going to sell the house? Are we going to rent the house? We just started looking for somebody that could do the make ready and get a renter in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it was in, in both y'all's blood. Like, Hey, like this, this isn't a time to just cash out and, and all that. And, and, and being a resident, you know, a personal house, you, there wouldn't be any tax hits most likely on it um, due to uh, the tax rules of, of that. But at the same time, like I love how, yeah, I, you intuitively, you knew, 
that, hey, this is just the first step. This is just the first step. No, and our first runner was was horrendous. Like, left in the middle of the night, left all her stuff behind. And so then we had to pay like $500 to have her stuff moved out just to get another runner in there. This was the, the first house that you guys rented out? First, first house, first runner. Horrendous. That's incredible. Well, raise your hand if, if that's happened to you as well, because <laughs> I remember getting a text from one of my first tenants saying, hey, and oh, by the way, the kicker is she was about $5,000 uh, behind on her rents. And we were working this COVID program oh. for rental assistance. And the one stipulation about this rental assistance was don't leave the property. So I was fine with her not paying rent because we were putting our best foot forward to get this rental assistance. And she texts me, oh, uh, I just went back to New York, got all my stuff out. The place is empty. Sorry, something came up, personal life, whatever. And I go to the, I go to the house and not everything was gone. Mattresses were still there, uh, bookshelf. Uh, dressers, you know, the heavy stuff that uh, she didn't want to fit in whatever she took with her. And so, yeah, I got the $500 bill of getting a dumpster out there and then having to make the place ready. But the big mistake I made, and it's a mistake for me, but not everybody it's a mistake for is I used to self-manage all my properties and I wanted to save that little bit of money. <laughs> right. Save that little bit of money, but in the that grand scheme of things. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. That um yeah, and then I picked the best tenants, right? I picked the best tenants. So after that experience, I learned, like you said right away, I don't want to manage these properties. I don't want it on my mind. I don't want my energy. It's well worth paying nine, ten percent of the rent to have somebody else source the tenants, source the contractors, background, deal, check, <laughs> background check, deal with, with the insurance and the leases and all of that. It is so worth the time having somebody else do it. And the crazy thing about it is once I got out of my own way, I was like, wow, these guys can do it so much better than me. <laughs> so much better than me. And so I, man, I tell people in the real estate business, I'm the guy you go to if you want to know what not to do in real estate. But it sounds like, shoot, right off the bat, but how, how'd this intuition come about? Like you said, you were, you were raised in, in a family of real estate. Are you just doing what other people in your family did? Or are you kind of paving your, your own way? Can you get into a little bit the differences between growing up in a real estate family and what you're doing now? Absolutely. Um, so my grandparents, um, they had like a little quadplex of apartments and a small mobile home community with like four trailers on it. Um, and then they had, I think, three singles. And then my husband's family, they had, oh good, uh, 60 or 70 units of residential multi. Um, so we come at it from vastly different right. <laughs> experiences. Um his family was very well educated. My grandmother was, um, my grandmother made it through eighth grade because she was a Hispanic woman and they would go and pick cotton. They were migrant farmers. Um, so grandma did finally get her GED, but my grandfather also worked really hard for his C's. So just very different educational backgrounds too, but both successful. So my grandparents were successful. His parents were successful and we got to see different types of real estate investing really um and so we came at it from a little bit of a different background my grandparents self-managed that's why i knew i didn't want to <laughs> um his Perfect. his dad had a management company that worked that took care of all of his stuff so really the biggest thing i knew was that i was not going to self-manage because i watched my grandparents do it and even after my grandmother passed away my grandfather was still you know, shuffling door to door at the first of the month, pick up rents. And that was not going to be me. No, so that's that, was, that was the biggest reason why I knew I wasn't self-managing. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that too. And the thing about 
that I always preach to young real estate investors is educate yourself, get around people that have experience because you will learn from their mistakes so that you don't have to make them yourself. It, I, I love making mistakes because I understand it's going to make me better when I'm doing things right. I'm not learning, but when I do things wrong, that's when I really learn because I'm, I'm much better at, uh, reacting to pain rather than <laughs> the pleasure of doing things right. I don't know. Maybe I'm a masochist, but, um, no, I just love that. I love, uh, what, what you're saying about just notice what's going on with the people around you. Like you, I'm sure you saw, yeah, just the, the heartache and, and the stress that it could bring literally knocking on doors every month to collect rent. And I know not all those renters were paying on time too. So you get to have those wonderful conversations at the same time. Um, now I, I know with your real estate investing, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you are also in multifamily syndication. Can you get a little bit into how you got into syndication? Well, one, what syndication is and two, how you got into it. Yeah, absolutely. So syndication is where you find a property and you get a bunch of investors together and you'll all put your money in a pile. And by collecting your, by having that collective force together, you're able to buy bigger properties. So, um, like our first complex, I think there were 34 investors total and it was a $5 million purchase. So it was, we're part, we're investors in it too. So the 34 of us put together about 1.7 million, um, to cover what we needed to cover to get the loan for that complex. And so the syndication is just where you put all your money together. You've got your GP team, which is your general partners that manage the property. Like they manage the business of having the property. And then you have your LP or your passive investors, your limited partners. And they literally just sit back and collect distributions. So long as you're able to make those distributions um, during during the past few years, it's been a little bit tougher to always make those distributions. Um, but we work really hard to do the best we can. And so that's how that works. And if you've been in residential and you've had property managers and you thought that it was real hands off and that that was pretty passive, you have never, ever, ever seen passive until you're an LP investor because you literally just get mailbox money. Just every now and then you're like, oh, ACH deposit. <laughs> And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to field those phone calls of, oh, hey, the repair is going to be more than $300. We got to make a phone call. Um, or, you know, the roof needs to be repaired or one of those calls. You don't have to do any of those. You just get your distributions. I love that. I, I know you, you had, uh, you're you also in gas and oil. Mm -hmm. Me personally, I am an investor in three oil wells um, somewhere in Texas. I don't know exactly where, but... Like you had mentioned, a true limited partner mailbox money. I don't even get it in my mailbox. I I get it. I get it just deposited directly yeah, into we do, my. Yeah. No, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Enough, enough. <laughs> mailbox money. Yeah. Well, that no, that that's a great way of saying it too, because you literally, yeah, whether you go physically to your mailbox or open up your your bank account, your QuickBooks, whatever, um, your bank statement, it's right there and. I, I haven't been part of a syndication myself as far as real estate goes, but in my oil and gas investments, I am a limited partner. So when I get, when I see the distributions, cause some oil and gas is very volatile compared to real estate. And so some months I'll see a good chunk of money in there and other months I'll see almost nothing. And so I'll reach out to the, the general partners and I'll be like, Hey, you know, like, what's going on? Cause I, I really don't know much of what's going on. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, we had this maintenance or this well was down because of this, or there's uh, permit stuff going on or what have you. And I'm like, man, I don't have to worry about any of that. Literally nothing. And so I think the incredible thing about syndications is it gives opportunities, especially to people that are making good money with their W2 love their W2, doctors, lawyers, engineers. You don't even have to be a super big business professional to love your job, but joining a syndication like that 
is a great way to make passive income because limited partners literally make passive income. Now, it maybe because your hands aren't getting dirty, so to speak, you're not part of the operations, the distribution can be a little bit different, uh, but it makes sense, right? If you're just sitting back and providing funds, there's a value to that. I always like to tell people in real estate, there's three things. There's time, there's talent, and then there's treasure. So this, these LPs are, are the treasure, but you're supplying the time and the talent as a G general partner, GP. And so there has to be compensation for that as well. Now, the type of syndications, and we're not going to get into the weeds of it because I know it can get into the SEC and this kind of regulation, D, C, A. It, it's like there's a regulation for every every letter of the alphabet. But for the type of syndications you do, just put it in, in, in layman's terms, like do I have to be an accredited investor or what, what type of syndication do you do? All right. So we, we've only done 506B so far. Okay. And so that's where you're, it's friends and family, um, sophisticated, you can have up to 35 sophisticated investors, which a sophisticated investor is just an investor that doesn't um, meet accreditation yet. And then to be accredited, if you're single, it's 200,000 a year in earnings for the past two years with the expectation that you'll get it for the next two. If you're married, it's 300,000. And then the other, there's two more. <clears throat> I think the easiest one is to have a million dollars in net worth because sometimes that income amount is kind of hard to earn that. Um, and then they added another one. I want to say it was in the fall of 2020, but it might've been 21 um, where there's certain series exams that you can take. So like for the stockbrokers and stuff that if you pass those different examinations, you're also considered accredited. Gotcha. Gotcha. So essentially for somebody like myself who may or may not have, well, actually, I guess someone like myself being friends or family, what does that mean? Because I know there's, there's a gray area with friends and family too. So let's say we do have coffee in Wichita falls and we're hanging out and you aren't selling me on anything. Would I be considered a friend at that point? So this is where it, there's a gray area. <clears throat> so you'll hear lots of people say that you have to have a pre-existing relationship. That is actually not a rule. Um, the rule is that you can't solicit if it's a 506B. Um, so if somebody Meaning comes up to you and starts talking to you and asking you, you didn't solicit them. Correct. So they can theoretically invest with you. The reason why a lot of lawyers will say that you need a pre-existing condition is because that's the easiest for them to defend should it go that direction. Should you have to be defended, they want to make sure that you've made it easy for them. <laughs> um, it's, it's pretty hard to say that you solicited somebody if they're a family member or yeah. a close friend. No, so that that's makes... really what it is. Well, I, I remember uh, interviewing somebody who was an expert marketer and she said, you know, everyone's like, it's your net, you know, everyone's like, it's your network. That's your net worth and all of that. It's who, you know, who, you know, she's like, it's not who, you know, it's who knows you. That's really important in marketing. And the great thing about social media these days is you can just post about what you're doing. Hey, I'm at this uh, 50 unit, hundred unit apartment complex, and we are raising money for this and that and blah, blah, blah. And you're just presenting your life, the facts of what you're doing right now. And if somebody reaches out to you, you didn't reach out to them. They're coming to you for questions. They're coming to you because they're interested for whatever reason in learning more about what you're doing. So I just love how you explained it like that because I, I know enough to be dangerous. And um, I, I really appreciate you, you clarifying that because it, it makes so much sense if somebody's seeking you out finding you well you didn't dm that person you didn't message that person you didn't write that person uh, a note or a letter or anything and um so i appreciate you you uh clarifying that and yeah, yeah i'm not a lawyer i'm not a legal <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> and that was just it was that was how it was explained to me yeah and so i just kind of tucked that away in my in my uh, library of explanations there because I kind of like it. It's, 
it makes a lot of sense. And I also have friends that are, what they're doing is they're doing 506 C's. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones where you can advertise and you do whatever, but you can only, only take accredited investors. And what they're doing is they're actually running a crowd fund next to it. Mm. Because with a crowd fund, you can take sophisticated investors. So you're running a 506C so that you can advertise it and put it out there to everybody. And then you're running a crowd fund next to it so that you can still take sophisticated investors. That's incredible. You know, I, I've been working. I've never done that one, but I've heard about that one. Well, there's just, it's, this is what's so important about education. And I know you bring the best of the best around. Um, I know there's also crowdsourcing regulations. I think it might be a regulation A plus or a regulation F. Obviously, I'm not an expert at this, uh, but A I mean, plus is accredited only. I think. Okay, it might be the F then, because there are crowdsourcing avenues out there where you don't have to be sophisticated, you don't have to be accredited. You could throw a hundred dollars into a money raise for a business, real estate, all of that. So there's a lot of cool. There's platforms there. too, like um, it's called In Inbound inbound like i-n-v-o-w-n i think mm -hmm. um that you can run your your reg cf on that platform gotcha gotcha so there's a difference i guess i didn't even know this between yeah the way you run it it's like i have an llc for the business but i run it tax wise as like a s corp or something like that so it kind of sounds like kind of like hey here's uh here's my my reg c so I can advertise, but then I'm raising money crowdfunding as like a reg B or something like that. I have no idea. I've never uh, done it. Chris well, Laren has done it. <laughs> well, and, and that is a perfect segue because you bring in the people like I'm not an expert at this. So everybody listening, don't listen to what I am saying right now, because you're going to come back and say, Hey, Ace said this and that. I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about, but you know what you're talking about. And if you don't know what you're talking about, you bring in the people that know what they're talking about. So can you get in a little bit into what, what your business, the, uh, the Academy presents, like what you do and how important a program like this is to people like myself that just spew, 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 and don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we've actually got a podcast. Um, <clears throat> we just hit 300 episodes. Nice. So that was kind of crazy. Um, and my husband said that he thinks somewhere they got the numbers wrong. So he thinks that it's over well over 300. I think that's wrong, <laughs> but that's what he says. Um, <clears throat> and so we have that. And then we also do like, we do a, a weekly virtual meetup every Monday. We do the Marvelous Mondays meetup. There's 25 to 40 other real estate investors, whether they're newbie, aspiring or seasoned syndicators or just passive investors. And we hang out there. We'll be hanging out there in about, I don't know, an hour and 20 minutes. And um, we meet every Monday at noon Eastern and we just get to know one another. And sometimes we talk real estate too. But one of the things that happened a couple of weeks ago was I had met someone at a face-to-face a -face mastermind event and told him, Hey, you should come to the virtual meetup. And he was raising capital for the first time. And we have an after party, right? So when the, when the meetup is over, you have the after party. And there was a group of about 12 people that hung out after in the after party to help him give him some tips and ideas on raising capital since it was his first time. And that was super cool to see, to see that group of people come together to share and help this guy out. And nobody knew him. It was his first time at the meetup, but they wanted to give him some tips and ideas and just help him since it was his first raise. Oh, that's incredible. That was that's cool. Yeah. It sounds like there's a really strong culture of giving and growing within that community. It, it was really fun. And then um, we also do two summits every year. So we do two three-day virtual summits. We we have about 50 to 60 speakers, panelists, roundtable participants, masterclass instructors. Um, and that's for three days in the spring and in the fall. So we do it um, in March and in September. The next one's coming up the 20th, 21st, and 22nd of September. But it's just a lot of fun. And we have a free tier where we pre-record all of the speaker presentations. And there's about probably somewhere around 35 hours of content there that is 100% free. And for the three days of the event, you can access all of those recordings. Um, and then on the days of the event, we also have a live side running next to it where the panels and the masterclasses and those kinds of things are. 
And then we also have a subscription. So like if you get the VIP subscription, we did have to increase it. It's like $34 now. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> but you get access to all of our summits. This, um, this upcoming summit is our eighth summit. So there's over 400 hours of content and you get access to all of it because really the way I've learned so much of this is from doing interviews and from being a part of things like this where I get to share and I get to learn as well. And one of the cool things about teaching is that you really don't know the information until you're teaching it. Um, I can sit here and talk about Adam Smith and all of these, David Ricardo, all these great economists now, but when I first started teaching it, I didn't know their names. I kind of knew what they did, but I didn't learn who they were and some of the impact that they had on economics until I started teaching it. And I've been teaching college econ now for almost 20 years. So that's when you learn it is when you're teaching it. And so that, that's another benefit to having the events and doing the interviews and doing all these things because it's grown with us. Our first one was in March of 2020 and it was good. But like when I look back on it, I'm like, man, we've really grown. And the, the, the questions that we ask and the different presentations that take place, they've gotten deeper as we've gotten deeper and more experienced. And so if someone comes in on the subscription and starts out in March of 2020, they're going to grow right there with us because we're, we're taking notes and we're learning right along everybody else. I love that. I love that. And yeah, I've, I've always been taught that too. Like it's great to learn information and it's, it's, it's great to so-called master it, but you really haven't mastered something unless you can teach it to somebody else. Like it's great if you can do it yourself, but until you're able to do it yourself and then take it to the next step and teach it to someone else, that is truly mastering something. And, um, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, the type of investors or, uh, people in this space, I know there's the, uh, the mindset part of it. And then there's also the strategy and action part of real estate. I'm ass assuming that you'll cover all of those bases, um, at this summit. There'll be a little bit of everything. Um, I think I'll probably go over mindset with at least coach T. So if you know, Trevor McGregor, he's one of our other coaches. We believe strongly in coaches. Um, and he, he does a lot of mindset. Um, he was one of Tony Robbins's, I guess, platinum coaches. I may be oh, saying cool. that wrong. Yeah, he was yeah, with Tony Robbins for a long time. Um, and so then he came off on his own and he helped us with a lot of the mindset pieces. Um, over the years, we've had Pee Wee Roosie come on and do mindset. Mandy McAllister's done mindset. Uh, Julie Holly talked a little bit about mindset too. So we've had a lot of people come and talk about mindset. So in that catalog of, of content, there's tons of mindset stuff. And then it's, it's hard to talk about real estate and not cover some of the mindset. Because like when I think about our first renter, if we hadn't been exposed to the ups and downs of real estate, that could have crushed us because right. I have a friend that they were, they PCS. I want to say they were PCSing and they were gone for a year and then they came back and they rented their house out while they were gone. And their rent, I guess their tenant really trashed out their house oh, shoot. and they swore they would never rent again because what I said was, y'all should have been picking up a house every time you PCS. And that's what I tell my military friends. I'm like, I don't, as I get you in contact with some guys over at ADPI or, um, you know, David Perret or somebody, I can get you in contact with somebody that can help you out, but you need to be buying houses all over the place because it's like the only time in your life when your personal residence can be good debt because somebody else is paying for it with that housing allowance. No, that's, that's incredible. And, I, I love what you talked about, about, yeah, just talking to people that have been through this, talking about to people that can help guide you through because they kind of were like, oh, okay, let's, um, let's do this while, while we're gone and forget about it and be passive investors or, or whatever they were thinking at that time. But the reality of the situation is they were looking at all the upside, but what are the potential pitfalls? What are the things that could go wrong? They get literally hit by a bus because of it. And then they're just like, no, nah, this isn't for us. See, 
we aren't real estate investors because of X, Y, and Z. And now that's part of their story. And, and until that changes, until that breaks, there's some people that, yeah, they, they get wiped out immediately. And I, I love how you talked about hitting those bumps early on. I think it's so important to have a couple bumps and bruises, especially when you start out. My old mentor used to say, make as many mistakes as possible when you're small, because when you're small, they're small mistakes. But if you don't make mistakes and then you get big, well, now you're going to make big mistakes. And um, yeah, you know, there's there's two ways of doing it. There's like we talked about earlier, you can make the mistakes yourself and learn from it, which I love and have loved to do. Or you could learn from other people and at least avoid a good chunk of those. Because the reality is, if you're in real estate, you're going to hit problems. You're going to hit obstacles. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to lose money. It's just surround yourself with the people so you can minimize that. You can minimize it. We're living in a pretty crazy time. Nobody knows what's going on. There's doom and gloom and fear and this and that and yada, yada, yada. And just like in 2008, there are going to be people that are going to get wiped out by something, by their blind spots, something they did not see coming. But if you surround yourself with the biggest and brightest and best people, it doesn't mean you're not going to hit bumps or get hit by a wave or two, but you're at least minimizing those chances. And at least you have the information to work with. And now you can be more confident about the decisions you make. Yeah, well, it's, it's really important to have people in your circle that have a lot of experiences too, um, because that's who you can reach out to. And there's, there's a group of us now that whenever somebody's speaking or presenting, we're, we're going to get on and listen because then we can critique each other. And like a friend of mine, she just presented for a, an event and I, I watched it and she was like, I felt like I was repeating all these words. I'm like, yeah, but they're, they're those phrases right now that everybody wants to hear. <laughs> like, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you repeated them a bunch, but I think it was fine. Nobody, everybody was in the chat. I mean, you were blowing it up. It was awesome, but it was, it's neat to have those people in your circle. Um, I was actually texting someone yesterday about maybe being a speaker in an event. And I was like, I don't know. It's a long drive. I don't like to fly. <laughs> um, but my friend was like, you should really do it. And she was like, you should talk about capital raising. But my thing is, is like, I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. Um, and I don't, I don't think that I will ever reach a point where I feel like I'm an expert. Um, because I, I just don't think I ever will. Um, we raised a million dollars on our first raise and we were the lead sponsors on that first deal. And I thought it was a fluke. And so I didn't really tell anybody. <laughs> and then we raised a million dollars on our second deal too. And we are the lead sponsors on both deals. And that's not the norm. Usually you have somebody else mm. that's more experienced that's on your team and, and, you learn from them and usually you have to give up a pretty substantial portion of the GP to that person. <clears throat> and so I'm kind of in the background telling people that are getting started, you don't have to do that. You can be the lead sponsor on your own first deal. And they're like, what, how could I do that? I'm like, well, you learn everything you can, but it's not going to matter. Cause when you get into that deal, you're going to feel like you don't know anything anyway. That's incredible. I, I love that. And I think what I, what I get out of that is, the whole confidence part of it. People think I need to know everything. I need to be confident and I need to set everything up. So now I can take action. But the crazy thing is that what you did is that by taking action, you're building up that confidence. And yeah, maybe it didn't even happen. The first deal you thought it was a fluke or whatever. And you're just like, kind of like, Oh yeah, well this, this might be a one once off, but I really then, did think that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but then you took action again and now you're just like, oh, anybody can do this. Like if I could do this, all I did was take action. And then you built up that confidence from taking action. It wasn't the other way around. And I think a lot of people think I need to do X, Y, and Z before I can move. But it's really that movement, which is way more important. That's a Tony Robbins thing too. I know he's all about take massive action and all that stuff. <laughs> um, but it's so true. Confidence and competence is built by taking action action because done, like you done is so much better than perfect yes yes like I, I think back to like the very first podcast we did 
They sucked. Oh, I know where you're coming from. I won't. I won't go back and listen to them. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I not pump out a lot of content because I just it. It's not that I don't care. It's that I'm just going to do it. And yep. however it comes out, it comes out. So my daughter, my oldest is 15. And she's going to try and start editing videos. And I'm like, well, there's really nothing to edit. Because if I screw up in a recording, I screw up in a recording and I laugh it off and we move forward. Um, <laughs> because I didn't know how to do anything except hit start and stop when we got started. So literally, I knew how to hit record <laughs> and how to turn it off. I didn't know how to do anything else. And so I just got used to there being some mistakes here and there. And it's fine. And it just makes you more real. Exactly. I, I think in this social media heavy world, if there is a ton of editing, if there is a ton of perfection to something, people can kind of feel cheated because you're not being authentic. You're not being genuine. And I thought when I first started podcasting, yeah, it had to be heavily edited. All the ums and likes and all of that need to be taken out. And my, thank goodness, I aligned myself with a great podcast manager and he was just like, we're going to do very little editing. All of this stuff is real. You're going to connect with your audience. People are going to really know and feel who you are. And it's going to sound real because it is real. And I don't know what Streamline takes out. I, cause I'm, we've been doing this for a while now. Um, we, we went to podcasts, I think in August of 2020. And so I just record them and my assistant uploads them to Streamline. And the next thing I know is I get emails from Streamline saying, Hey, episode blah, blah, blah is ready for review. <laughs> and so it's, um, we're pretty far detached from it now, other than I record them all. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, that's, you know, that's the beauty too of, of proper business systems and things like that. I know real estate can be very similar that you just do what, what you love to do. You show up, you hit record and that's really about it. Everything else is systemized, taken care of. You've got people in the background doing the little things here and there and shoot. Now we have, you're talking starting in 2020 people that are going to start here in 2023. You've got AI to do all this for you. So you don't even need an assistant or even a virtual assistant. Like you literally have AI doing almost everything. It's, it's so insane. It's so powerful. And now we're, we haven't jumped into this, but like working in your zone of strength, working in your zone of passion, what you love doing. Like I love having these conversations with people like yourself, learning about them, learning their story, how they're contributing to the world and how they're making this place this world a better place. I don't want to edit. I don't want to have to upload. I don't want to have to do artwork and all this and that. But you know what? There's other people that love doing that. And I love working with people that love doing those things. No, it's, um, we, when I left teaching, <clears throat> Jason, and I had some real heart to heart. It's my husband, Jason. And I told him, I said, what, what am I going to do? The only thing I can do is talk. And that's literally, that's, that is my superpower is I can have a conversation with just about anybody and build a pretty instant friendship. <laughs> I call it a more than a handshake relationship in 15 minutes, maybe 30. Um, <laughs> and then I have a, I have a really good memory. Um, now I'm not going to remember your face, but I'll remember your name. I'll remember your kids' names. I'll remember your pets. If you don't have kids, um, I probably remember where you were from. And just other little random things like that. And so that is why my part of the business is the relationship side. And then my husband with his engineering background does the underwriting. He coded our spreadsheet. Um, his sister and brother-in-law are now also on our team. They're also both chemical engineers. Oh my goodness. And so we've got, we've got a really strong team when it comes to the the numbers and the documents and Sarah will go through that's Jason's sister she'll go through um, legal documents line by line she'll go through the reports line by line and those are things that I I've done them in the past but it is not my strength and it is very difficult for me um, when we had we lost um, our property management company dissolved two summers ago not this summer but last summer and I had to I had to sign the uh, pro new property management company agreement 
And I remember thinking it was like hundreds of pages long. It's like 16 pages long. And I was like, it felt like 160. And everybody's kind of laughing. It might have even been 12, whatever it is. It's not very many pages. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm like having to go through that thing. And it took me so many days to get through it because I couldn't just read it. I would have to go through just a little bit at a time and then put it away and then come back and read some more because that is not my thing. And so to have someone on the team that can take that down and not so much that she enjoys it, but that she has the ability to do it is huge. I love that. I love that. And that's so important. Like know where your areas of strength are, not only your areas of strength, but what you enjoy doing. And yeah, maybe if you're starting out, you're going to have to wear a couple hats that you might not want to wear, but that's at least acknowledging what you like, what you're good at, what you're not, what you don't like. Now, you know, what you can really, uh, what you should fire yourself from first, like property management was not my jam. And I just struggled with it for years and years and years. And I didn't get much better at it, like going through the interview process of tenants and this and that. And it wasn't until I finally fired myself. I think that's one of the hardest things, um, that a lot of people go through is like understanding that like, Hey, I need to find people around me that love to do these things. Like my, my personal assistant, she loves spreadsheets. She loves details. She loves numbers. And so she goes, you know, she consolidates all my accounts and all of that. And she just loves the organization and all of that. And I'm like, you, you do all of that because that is not my strength. I am so disorganized. Like she keeps everything together for me. She loves it. I love not having to worry about it. And yeah, it's, it sounds like, yeah, once again, a team where everybody's working together, it's like a, like a symphony, right? Like you're the, you're, you're the, you're the French horn and they're the percussion section or something like that. You're belting out the beautiful melodies and they are just freaking on time, keeping the time with the conductor and, and all of that. So it's, um, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when it's put together like that. No, it makes, it makes, it makes it a lot nicer, a lot, a lot less stress. Um, because I, I don't have to worry about it. I can just hit start and stop and then tell Danica, Hey, it's in the cloud. <laughs> and she goes and takes care of it. Um, and, but I mean, like with the very first summit, we hired a guy to do the digital side of things, but Jason was still in the background making the phone calls. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this too. When we did that first summit, if I had known going in how difficult it would be, I don't think I would have ever done it. Oh, shoot. Yep. <laughs> so it was Dan Hanford. He was supposed to be giving me some ideas on how to do a virtual event. Cause that used, that's all he used to do was the virtual events. And he called me, I was doing FMLA paperwork and I'm in my doctor's waiting room and he calls me. I'm like, this is a butt dial. So I didn't answer it. Calls me right back. And I'm like, Hey, we're supposed to talk this afternoon. And he was like, yeah, that's okay. I had time now. So then I'm like ripping through my stuff, trying to find a piece of paper and a writing utensil, you know? And at that point in time, I think I had asked like, I don't know, 16 or 18 people to be speakers. And I had 14 yeses. And I asked him, I said, what's the difference between a one day, a two day and a three day event? He's like, ah, it's just coordinating people. It is not just coordinating people. But I'll, I'll also say, um, you know, Tony Robbins does talk about like CBA goals, right? And while that was a definite, like far off crazy goal for me then, now it's, now we just do it. So your, your goals become more every day because your comfort zone catches up to them. So while doing a podcast or doing a webinar may seem very overwhelming and scary the first two times, first time I had to be talked off the ledge the first two. Um, <laughs> Peely Reusey talked me off the ledge for the first one and John Kasman talked me off the ledge for the second one. But um, it was, it was scary at first, but then your comfort zone catches up and you realize that it is a lot of fun and that you're learning and you're getting to help others learn too. And for me, that means a lot. And so that's, that was what I loved about it and what kept us going. And now we're about to do summit number eight and like, it's not even, I'm not, I'm not as worried anymore. And and I have friends that back me up too. I have friends that are like, Hey, yeah, I'll moderate this panel for you or I'll take care of this part for you. And so that, that helps. (laughs) 
No, that's incredible. I, I love that because essentially you took something that used to be scary, something that pushed you out of your comfort zone and that stretches you, that helps you grow. And now those things like going on a podcast or putting together these summits, well, now it's something that you've done before. You took the action, built the confidence, built the expertise, and now it's another mountain to climb, right? Because once we get to the top of that mountain, it's like, okay, well, let's do this again. And that and that's really what makes life fulfilling is that constant and never ending. It's a Tony thing, can I, right? Constant, never ending improvement, like constantly pushing yourself. And so I, I just love that you do live a life of both growth and contribution through your teachings, through your education, all the resources that you give to both your, your community and people that aren't even part of the community. It's just a incredible thing. And, and I just really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, I want to hop real quick into a couple superhero questions. If you're game. Okay. All right. I don't know if you already have a superhero name or a nickname or anything like that, but if you don't, what would your superhero name be? Actually, I guess I kind of do. Because I'm the rebel real estate investor. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> the rebel real estate investor. All right. Well, angel rebel <laughs> real estate investor, you had alluded to one of your superpowers before, mm -hmm. which is your ability to speak and communicate and connect with people. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other superpowers? Um, my memory is really good. Um, like abnormally so i think most people from the studies i've read can store a couple hundred people in their head um i've got a couple thousand oh my goodness that's insane yeah <laughs> that is insane so you've got the memory of an elephant then you never forget yeah. i don't know sometimes it's harder to recall but um there's there's a lot of people in my head that's incredible i i, I know you said a few minutes ago Per, it's maybe not their face, but it's their name, mm -hmm. Ace. Their children, I have none. <laughs> I think you had mentioned uh, Pet. Uh, I have a dog, Dallas. That might be pretty easy to remember. Mm -hmm. And I forget what else you remember, but... Well, you said you were here for a training, so I have to assume you're a pilot of some sort. That is a great guess. No. There's a Mechanic? company, there, there, there's a group called, uh, it's, it's a, a martial arts school called The Warrior's Way in Wichita <gasps> Falls. Oh, I know, yeah, I know that. And I train with, with uh, Harley Tuhan Elmore. Oh. Not, not personally, but with some of his guys. And we do trainings for men's event to help uh, men make breakthroughs in their lives. And so oh, we go cool. to Wichita Falls a couple times a year and we hold the trainings there, get a group of guys in and everything. And it's part of the whole teaching thing that I never, <laughs> never thought I'd become a part of, but yeah. Warrior's way is they, they do things a little bit different over there. A little bit different. That is exactly right. Well, just like you're the rebel real estate investor, they are kind of the rebel martial arts school. That's for darn sure. And, uh, I really appreciate you calling me a pilot. I think I want to make that part of my identity <laughs> because being a pilot would be super stinking cool and um haven't done anything with that yet terrifies the heck out of me to go into a jet or a fighter pilot. Oh, i don't like to fly if i can't yeah. drive there i'm probably not going yeah <laughs> oh i love that so okay so connection memory now i have have uh keep pilot keep pilot as as part of who i am i i love the that the way is cooler though because you don't run into too many people like that True, true. They they are very, very special, um, special place in, in, in my heart. That's for darn sure. Um, last superhero question. Who are some real life superheroes in your life? Actually, I'd probably say my husband and my kids. Because, um, so we've got three typical girls. And they are Angel 2.0, 3.0, and 4.0 which means we butt heads a lot, but <laughs> we had to consciously raise very independent girls because when Jason and I are no longer here, they're going to have to advocate for their brother because he's not going to be able to advocate for himself. 
Um, and so they have to be little superheroes and they have to be ready to stand up for him. And so they're, they're little superheroes. And then the fact that my husband can code a freaking underwriting spreadsheet makes him a big time superhero in my book, because when I look at columns and spreadsheets and numbers, it's nauseating, like waves of nausea, but, and, and just dealing with everything our family deals with. Um, my oldest has been actually certified in CPR since she was like five. Um, oh, wow. yeah. because Anson, um, has a higher incidence of sudden unexplained death when he sleeps and that's for the rest of his life. And so if he stops breathing, we need to make sure that somebody can breathe for him. And so we've all had that training. So that's incredible. I, it just sounds like such a, an amazing family unit that you guys have. We try. <laughs> you might not know it from all the yelling and screaming. And... <laughs> but it no, is. What I, <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like there's definitely a lot of a lot of responsibility that's uh that comes, you know, with with taking care of your son and uh, you know, uh I haven't had too much experience. My ex-wife works with kids with special needs here in in Tennessee. Well, your and mom so I've, for 35 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My mother as well and um you know, the crazy thing about um having having a child like that is that for everything that that goes into taking care of him and raising him and, and making sure he's safe and everything. He supplies his own amount of superpowers that just brings love and connection to the family. And just, they have their own set of superpowers that they do to make the world a better place. And I just love hearing about stories because I'm, I'm not going to put myself in your shoes. I know the struggles that come with a special needs child. Uh, just from afar. And it takes a superhero mother specifically to raise a child like that and to keep the family together. And I know it can be chaotic at times, but I know from just the short while that we've talked to one another that that you are a superhero yourself. And I, I know from the real estate standpoint, the connections, the educations, what you've been able to grow just personally within your family from your portfolio is, is a superhero enough, but to hear um, about you raising that child in Wichita Falls, like says a whole heck of a lot about how amazing the rebel real estate investor is. <laughs> it's fun. It really well, is. And at the end of the day, isn't that what life is all about? Yes. It's going to be hard at times. Yes. It's going to be challenging. But if you can look through that in a different lens, that this is meant to make you stronger so that you can enjoy more of life moments, then that that's really what, what living is all about. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, for people listening, what's the best or easiest way for them to get a hold of you? Probably LinkedIn. That's where I really spend a lot of time. Perfect. That TikTok, but. I'm only watching videos on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And your LinkedIn, correct me if I'm wrong, is the Academy Presents, right? Um, actually, I'm Angel Williams on LinkedIn. So oh, perfect. pretty easy to find there too. Okay. So check it out. Angel Williams, one of the easiest names ever to spell, just like it is. Angel Williams, nothing, nothing fancy about it. Um, check you out on LinkedIn. If there's one thing, I know we covered a whole lot of ground today, but if there's one thing you could leave with the audience, uh, a thought, idea, tip, strategy, tool, what what would it be? Don't be afraid to just do. Like, it's never going to be perfect. It's not. It's never going to be completely lined up. It's it's never going to be without fault or without mistake. But it's okay for those things to happen. Just do it. Heck yeah, I love it. There should be a swoosh on the uh, video right now. <laughs> Just do it. I think somebody did that at some point, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love that. Just freaking take action because those fears are going to start to disappear because you realize, oh my God, it's not as crazy as, or you make a mistake and you <gasps> learn something. Oh my goodness. So crazy. You know, I mean, make a mistake and you're still alive. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. And 
not everybody hates you. Yep. Yep. Tell somebody no. <gasps> that was the hardest thing for me, telling somebody no. Oh my God, they're not going to hate me if I tell them no. Take my power back. Do do what's important to me in my life. That was my biggest thing was, uh, was kind of being a doormat for people. I couldn't say no to people. Oh my God, the power of saying no. Yeah, I'm not very good at no because I'm... I don't know if you've ever seen Positive Intelligence, the book. Yes. Um, but I am a hyperachiever. So I get my validation from what people see me doing. Gotcha. gotcha. Like my husband, he like has internal validation. He can validate himself. <laughs> I, I'm searching for validation from others all the time. And that's exhausting. Yeah, the saboteurs. I'm very familiar. I talk about saboteurs all the time. Yep. And... um Hyperachiever and restless. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, once you acknowledge those saboteurs, then you can start vanquishing them. And like you said, one of the ways you do that is by taking action. And so I really appreciate you sharing that. For everybody listening, once again, this is Angel Williams. Check out her website, The Academy Presents. I really appreciate you ha having you on. So thank you so, so very much. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in once again, Superhero by Design podcast. You could be spending your time anywhere, but you chose to be here with me and my fabulous guests, just like Angel. So with that said, remember with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And like that, he's gone. Ace out.